The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive one who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of the Lord. So Friday was a gorgeous day on the farm where I live um, and we took a walk in the morning and everything was just gorgeous and bright and green and cool and quiet and Jim said we should go canoeing and that seemed like such a good idea but it wasn't on my list. The things on my list were get the kids haircuts and new shoes. So we went to Elk River instead. I don't know if you've ever been by Elk River, but it's not really a town. It's more like one big giant parking lot and 12 mega stores and 10,000 strip malls, Menards and Walmart and McDonald's and Papa Murphy's and people getting in and out of their cars and unloading shopping carts and not ever even looking at you or saying hi. And it made me in just a little bit of a bad mood to be there. So we're in Payless Shoes, which smells toxic to me. And they're playing music which seems toxic to me. Lifeless music. And the saleswoman comes up to me very kindly and asks, am I finding what I need? And I had sort of a violent internal reaction. Like I said politely, yes, thank you, but what I wanted to say was, are you kidding me? Are you insane finding what I need, what my kids need, what anybody anywhere in the world needs at Payless Shoes? You think you can help me find what I need at a toxic store in a strip mall? 
probably should have gone canoeing. She was just doing her job, saying what she was trained to say. She was probably just counting the hours till she could go out and be in the warm and the quiet and the green. But I felt like she was somehow the face of the capitalist lie. And for a tiny little minute, I wanted to rip that face off. What we need doesn't really have a place in the system that runs the world. It isn't about helping us fill whatever hunger we have as human beings. It's all about generating endless need. Endless needs that we never even knew we had for an outdoor couch, antibacterial socks, scented magic markers to generate more and more capital, obviously. This is how the system of the world works. Of course, a salesperson doesn't care one little itty bit about my need. She's supposed to sell me something. But so how about just saying that? Instead of, can I help you find what you're looking for? How about just saying, what can I sell you today? It seems like maybe that's what store keepers used to say when there was like old mom and pop store down on Main Street. The, they would, you know, some grandpa owned it. Um, and before anyone had learned all these subtle techniques about selling and before the gene for salesmanship, the gift for marking became as essential to survival as food, practically. Like back when a store was just a place that you went to buy some soap or a hammer, instead of some place that pretends to have the capacity to make you happy, to give you a better life, a new lifestyle. Stores market lifestyles. How did it come to this? So I told Jim that I had to leave Payless shoes or I was going to die, which was clearly a little dramatic. And I went out and sat on the hood of the car to wait and, and to think about the evil system that is constantly manufacturing needs, but in the half hour that it took Jim and the kids to get the shoes and the right color of socks, I realized it also really disdains the needy. That's how power acts, I think. Needy isn't really a word that has a lot of positive connotations in the popular culture. It's almost like a psychological warning label. If someone is needy, it is a reason not to date them, or hire them, or be very careful if you even enter into any sort of relationship with them at all. It's not exactly something that the culture that surrounds us says it's okay to be. If someone is needy, you distance them, yourself from them, unless you are unhealthy, which is another thing that it's not okay to be in the United States of America in 2013. Everything our culture considers valuable and virtuous and desirable and attractive runs pretty much in the opposite direction of needy or unhealthy. You can't be a needy person and be a successful person. And yet, at the same time, the system requires us to be constantly convinced of our need. Otherwise, we wouldn't buy things. Anxiety is decidedly not cool, and yet, in order for capitalism to work, we have to constantly be anxious. It forces us to hide the selves that it creates. I don't know how we're all not totally insane. And then I thought about how much I like Jesus. Really, I am so tired of David and Amnon and power and the capitalist lie. 
Jesus says, blessed are the needy, the poor and the weak and the hungry and those who weep. And it's not like he's just begrudgingly letting the needy tag along. He says they're blessed. Like maybe that they know something important. I don't know. But the good news in the Gospel of Luke is decidedly for the needy. There's hardly a clearer message in Luke. Jesus tells the Pharisees, the healthy don't need a physician. He seems to be implying that he came for the unhealthy. Whatever it is that Jesus has for people, gives to people, it's almost like it's something that unless you're healthy, you're, unless you're unhealthy, or unless you're needy, you can't even really hear it. <clears throat> the mercy fills the needy, and the mercy soothes the unhealthy, and it sends the rich empty away. There's hardly anything in our capitalist culture that acts that way. Hardly anything that goes in that direction. Blessed are the needy. That's really just a sort of dramatically different direction to take things. It's a profoundly different message than we're used to hearing or feeling or absorbing. And I think it's something that might help us. I mean, mostly it seems like it just really isn't very cool to need at all. To need a product is fine and acceptable and actually necessary for the system to run, but it also seems like it's very important if you hope to succeed in any way in the culture that runs the world to cultivate an appearance of non-neediness. Strength is virtuous, weakness is despised. Our culture traps us in this sort of merciless bind, convincing us of endless needs and then despising us for having needs. So it's like, say you, you go to the door of culture and you knock and you say, you know, please open the door for me. You know, give me the confidence and the strength that I need to be successful in the world. world. But it's like you're asking for an egg, but man, oh man, do you get a scorpion. It opens the door and it smiles and says, yeah, it's a good thing you came. Let's have a look at you. First off. God, that you're even knocking or asking. You need the door to be open for you. You can't do it yourself. It's unbecoming your need. Your self-doubt is not attractive. Need is not attractive. On the other hand, have you looked at yourself lately? You need to buy a membership to a gym. You need a different line of skin products, new clothes. My God, you need weights, something. In order for consumer culture to succeed, it has to breed into its inhabitants this feeling that they're perpetually insufficient, perpetually lack something, or else they won't spend their money. The system is devoted to churning out solutions to problems, bodily imperfections, household failures that you wouldn't even know about without its voice breathing in your ear. The capitalist version of the good news is that there are self-help books, tons of them, seminars, programs. You can hire a life coach. In fact, you need a life coach. You can be absolutely fabulous. Just have some confidence. Remember, self-doubt isn't attractive and need is not attractive. But man, do you need a complete overhaul. Your house has no feng shui. 
Your teeth could be much whiter. And those sorts of pans, nobody uses those anymore. If you knock at that door, you're going to get a scorpion or a snake. It's a very snaky business. I guess what it seems like to me is that we all need, like mad, like raving mad. We absolutely cannot exist on our own. We are the farthest thing from self-sufficient. We need air to breathe and gravity to hold us on the earth. We need a lot of help from a lot of people to build our houses or to show us who we are or do our plumbing. I don't think I've ever known anyone who doesn't sort of desperately really, really need a lot. A lot of love, mostly. And you know what? We aren't, any of us, entirely healthy, whatever that even means. We're human beings raised by other human beings. And we're affected by other human beings. We're vulnerable. We're meant to be. It's the condition that makes love and relationship possible. We're human beings whose bodies inevitably eventually break down, eventually die. If health is really the greatest goal, we're all going to be very disappointed. This is who we are. We aren't created to be self-sufficient or invulnerable or without need. So why would it be so important to pretend or hide? Or why should that cause us shame? It seems like it would be such a relief to be free to have our needs, to just be out about them, to know our hunger and our dependence on each other, and to know our mortality and not have to lie about it or pretend otherwise. It practically seems like that's the only way to love and be loved. So the disciples see Jesus praying, and they ask him, teach, teach us how to pray. It's kind of funny because he just gives them this little itty-bitty prayer that pretty much all it does is ask God for all they need. The Lord's Prayer, apart from the address, is pretty much pure petition, all asking for help. The disciples say, teach us to pray, and he says, pray like this. God, I need. I need your kingdom to come. I need daily bread. I need forgiveness. I need to be released. And Jesus says, if you actually knock at the door, God will open it. And God will see that you're needy. And God will be like, I like you. And God will say, oh, come in. I'm so glad you're here. Have some love and some cake. I just pulled it out of the oven. Or maybe you'd like a glass of wine. Why don't you just sit down? God will open the door and see who you are, your hunger and your poor self-esteem, or your exaggerated compensation, everything in you that would, the world calls unhealthy, your bad habits and your poor ways of dealing with certain things, your lack of social skills or creativity or parenting skills or kindness even or success. And God won't be like, oh, wait, go get fixed up before you knock on my door. God will love you. God won't hand you a snake or a scorpion, something that you're supposed to buy because you feel bad about yourself, that's supposed to apply to make you feel good about yourself, but it never really will be because it doesn't work that way. God will give you what you need, not a way to fix yourself up, but the grace of God. God frees us from the double bind that our culture traps us in. 
And I think that maybe prayer has a part in this. I actually have no idea how prayer works. But I think it might have something to do with admitting our need, not hiding it, confessing it. Maybe you can't come to prayer like a mountain. You have to come like a valley that needs filling. And that may be the only way that you can really come to it. The disciples ask how to pray, and Jesus says, pray like this. Ask, need, seek, knock. Keep knocking and knocking and asking and asking. Ask God to help you. This will mean admitting that you're needy. And it will mean something about trusting enough to ask. Or maybe even if you don't trust that much, to just keep asking somehow is in itself transforming. You may resist it, this confession of need, this asking for help, but do it anyway. It will make you open up to your need and eventually, maybe over time, slowly, it will help you to trust God, whose love will subvert the merciless system. Take it and eat it. Receive the love of God.